0: and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he placed his hands on them, he went out on out from there. Now just flip over a page or so. We're going to read chapter, uh, chapter 18 of Matthew starting at verse 1. Chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the little, a little child to him, and he placed the child among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like this little, these little children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word today. I thank you for the transformation of the heart. Would you join with me and pray right now and just thank God that he breathes into our the core of who we are and he changes us, he renews us, he breathes life into us. We thank you for the hand of God on our lives individually and as a body, uh, as a city. You have great destiny for us and for this city, Lord. And we just thank you for what you're doing deep in our hearts in worship as we, as our hearts bow, as our hearts bend to you. Something is happening within us, Lord, and we we just receive it and, and we honor it, Lord. We come under it. We take the lowly position. We stand with reverential awe of what you're breathing into us and what you're doing in our midst. And we say yes. Can you say yes to it right now? Come on, say yes. Holy Spirit, thank you for your mighty presence. You're in and through us. You rest upon us. And we just just declare right now the tangible presence of God over your people. I release the tangible presence of God over your people now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus name. Amen. Some things that have been stirring in my heart. And I just want to, uh, I just want to share a few things with you today. I'm actually excited. Um, when I don't preach for a Sunday, it's nice. It's nice to have a Sunday off. How many were last week? My wife did an amazing job. Come on, somebody. I have the most beautiful anointed woman in the world. All you ladies are cool too, but you know, there's none like Rochelle. Is that blasphemous? That sounds like worship, huh? I didn't mean it like that. She's not holy. She is holy, but she's not holy, holy, holy. God's holy, holy, holy. Praise God. Um, I, I just It's nice for me to just sit back and, and just kind of say law. Say law on what God is doing. Just kind of, you know what say law means, right? That's the Old Testament, the Hebrew word, just stop and think about it. Just slow down, quiet your soul, like David said in Psalm the Psalms, it says, quiet your soul. Sometimes we've got to quiet down so we can actually hear what God's saying to us. And most of the time in ministry, we've trained ourselves to be so busy with this and that, even when we pray. I mean, we have so many fillers in prayer. Father God, Lord God, Lord, speaking in tongues. I don't speak in tongues like that, but you know, we have all these fillers in prayer and it's just noise. It's static. And sometimes we've got to tune in, slow down, turn out the noise. Come on. And hear what God is saying. And and maybe reflect. There's something about reflection and contemplation that, that's missing in in the church today. Like we don't we don't capture the the things that the early church would they would just reflect and contemplate. And and you know that there's uh there's a mark on Many revivalists and even some of the the saints in in the, throughout church history that one of the marks of somebody who walked in supernatural things that walked in the supernatural was someone who sat quiet before God. Isn't that interesting? I think sometimes we're just loud and and we just sometimes need to be quiet before God. And so you get to hear me talk and you can be quiet and say Amen. But I I, I want to talk to you about. Uh, about these verses, there's something about the wonder of God. There's something about understanding that we we get to fellowship with the Creator of the universe. And sometimes, as Christians, I think we get a little arrogant, like, "Oh, I know Jesus. I know the Lord. You know, He's my best friend." And and I, I, I want to talk to you about something that you, you know your revelation of God right now, currently is really not as big as He really is. You know that, right? Like you have a good revelation of God. But our revelation of... He's bigger than our current revelation of Him. God is more loving than your current revelation of His love. Did you know that? Um, Your current revelation of His holiness, He's even more holy than that. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 6, when He heard the angel saying, Holy, 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 it wasn't like you when you say, Oh, this cheeseburger is really, really, really good. It was not that type of emphasis. It was a Hebrew poetic that described an exponential increase of holiness. It was a multiplication. It was like it was more than amplification. It was a swelling of it was like holy, holy, holy. It was like it swelled and there, there was some exponential language to exemplify that God is not just holy, but he's holy, holy, holy. And so there's something about, as believers, I think sometimes we get, we get a little too grown up. We get a little too uh, smart for our own good. Come on, somebody. And I don't mean... I mean, we need to think for ourselves. God sanctifies the mind. I believe that we should not be anti-intellectual. But we do need to understand that God first speaks to or primarily deals with our heart. The heart is the center of your being. See, as Western Christians especially as American Christians, and the intellect is so elevated that we, we don't understand how to function from our hearts, like learn, that we learn that wherever our heart is oriented in life, that's where we're going to go. And sometimes we could be verbally open or, you know, intellectually open to somebody or we're listening to someone, but our heart isn't open to them. We're not going to receive anything they're saying. And it's the same thing with God. Sometimes we get so busy and and things are so loud and there's so much static and we're so grown up and we know so much and we know systematic theology, praise God. You know, we could explain what sanctification and justification and all these glorification and all these shuns in the Bible. And yet we don't have a heart that is palatable in the hand of God. Can I say that to you this morning? And I I feel like these scriptures, the Lord has just been speaking to me about the wonder of God. And and he's just been speaking to me about stay in wonder of God. Like we're not afraid of God, but there is a fear. There's a reverential awe that we cannot miss even under the new covenant. There's this reverential awe of God's love. And and, and I'm not afraid of God. You understand when we talk about fear of the Lord, what I'm going to share with you today is probably a good description of how I see the fear of God. It's a wonder. It's an awe. It's it's like this reverential thing that happens We're just wow, God, you're amazing. It's it's these moments of worship. I don't know if, if you were in that place in your own heart as we're worshiping this morning. And we're worshiping and, and just listening to the team in harmony. Their hearts are joined and... And, and they're lifting up and exalting Jesus and they're singing that melody. My heart was just bowing under the manifest presence of God. my heart was just yielding to to the reality that God was manifesting like yep, I'm here and I love you like God's smile was was on us he's he's smiling on us now, but there's this this something that happens deep in our heart where we we reverence we we come back under the wonder of who he is and I want to share with you. Uh, this wonder of a child that there's something about Jesus. You know, I love the way Jesus talked about kids. You know, he didn't, he didn't say kids were bad. He didn't say kids were, matter of fact, he, in this context in Matthew 19, he's talking about divorce. It's a serious subject. They're asking him, what about divorce? And Jesus, I mean, it's a serious subject in the master, the rabbis teaching. And then the kids church interrupt their little service. And the ushers, or the disciples, shh, 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 go back to kids' church, shut up. They may not, have, I don't know if they said shut up. <laughs> Be muzzled. That's, that sounds holier, right? Be muzzled, whatever that is. Does anyone say that? Be quiet. They're rebuking the children. Jesus says, no, 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 guys, you don't, you don't understand. This is what the kingdom looks like. I, I envision the scene of these children running up, and Jesus just embracing him. And then he says, You see what's happening? This is kingdom. Yeah. Family. Yeah. And they're like, No, but matter of fact, in Jewish history, the synagogue was something that was formed because of the lack of the family passing down the inheritance of the law. The synagogue had only been around for a few hundred years. And the synagogue was what we would call today like church. I mean, in some ways, the temple model. So you have the temple in Jerusalem and then you have the synagogue. So Jesus is saying, listen, it's not just about these where I'm teaching and you're listening. It's about this right here. And he embraces the children and he blesses them. And then you look over before this and it doesn't seem to me like the disciples were listening. Sound familiar? Come on. Aren't we on that same boat? Come on, somebody. He says, unless you become like this child. And then this scenario happens and he's teaching on divorce and the children interrupt and he's, they're rebuking them. And he's like, no, guys, disciples, come on. This is what the kingdom looks like. I love the wonder of God. Well, you know, when I was a kid, I used to uh, road trip with my dad. How many love road, road trips? Come on, do you love? I love road trips. One of the reasons I love road trips is not... Because we have to pull over because my kids have to pee every 10 miles. That's not why I love road trips. But I do love road trips because the wonder of going to a place I've never been. I remember as a kid going to the Grand Canyon. Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? It's amazing. If you haven't been there, you need to go. And we went. And uh, let me tell you a quick story. It was amazing. We, um, We traveled on donkeys. No, we didn't travel on donkeys. I made that up. We took horses nine miles into the canyon, like Stem Christi, what they call Stem Christi, down wow. the steep canyon, nine miles into this little Indian reservation called Havasupai. Havasupai means blue-green waters. There's this beautiful waterfall, and it's like blue-green. It looks like you're in Hawaii. I mean, it's gorgeous. But I remember my dad planned the trip and everything. I was young. And this was like in the 90s, but I, we had this 80s video camera. So I had this video camera and I'm on this horse and we went nine miles into the canyon to this. It was amazing. It was beautiful. It was like, I'll never forget this trip. I want to take my family on it. Um, I don't know if we'll do the horses with five kids. though. <laughs> Layla on my shoulders, can you imagine that? So I, I did pull up a couple of pictures because I want you to capture the wonder of some of the things that I saw. And this is First of all, I had to do this. Let me show you the video. This is pretty much what the video camera looked like. Now imagine, I'm on a horse nine miles into the canyon, and I have this huge... This is not the little video cameras that you all have right now. This thing did not even take as good as this iPhone does. But this camera we had right here, this is what it looked like. (laughs) Now, aren't you in wonder of technology right now? Come on, somebody. Nine miles in the down the Grand Canyon with that big old bad boy. Come on, some of y'all had pagers the size of VCRs. Hold on, someone's paging me. Who had one of those big cell phones? Come on, my dad did those big, huge, like, Bible size. Hello? I'm on the way. I'm on my cell phone. And there's a cord to another... Sp- <laughs> To a big battery pack. So that was the video camera, nine miles into the canyon. We're galloping. It was unbelievable. I remember the wonder of coming up on the canyon. Like, first of all, I'm thinking we're going to go down this thing on a horse. Yeah, yeah. These horses are so smart the way God made animals. It's just amazing. I mean, you could think about if you just stop and think about different things, you could just be in wonder of God. Just think about how cool dogs are. Who's a dog lover? Come on. I mean, just think about the way God, who loves cats. Oh, there's some cat lovers in here. I actually like cats. I think they're cool. Just the way God made horses. And we're on, I'm on this horse relying on him, and I'm, I want to find the footage, but I have this big, huge camera for nine miles. Okay, so we go nine miles into the canyon, and we arrive at the Indian Reservation. It was just incredible. We're riding in, and there's these Indians making tortillas and stuff. It was so cool, man. We ate at the little lodge there. We stayed the night. So about a half a mile from there, we hike. And we go to this place that this is what it's all known for. There's people that live down there. And I didn't know what to expect. And when we came up to this, I was just in wonder. I was just in awe of God's creation. And this is the waterfall that we, we came on. Look, that's, isn't that a beautiful waterfall? Right there. Look at that. That's in the Grand Canyon. And it's warm and you can swim in it too. It's like warm water. It, lo- it, it feels just like it looks. It's not cold like you can't, you know, you ever look at rivers like it's beautiful. And then you tell, oh gosh, it's like 50 degrees. That's good baptism water. You will die for sure if you get dunked in that water. This water's warm. And we swam and I remember trying to swim up to the waterfall and it was like pushing me back. And this little kid just in wonder of God's creation. I remember traveling on road trips with my dad, just going to these new places. We went to Sedona, Arizona. Have you ever been to Sedona? Beautiful. If you've never been, go. A lot of new age people that need Jesus. You could love on him. Prophesy to him. So we go to Sedona, and I remember the first night that we were in Sedona, and I looked up at the sky, and I was like, it literally took my breath away. The stars, this is what pretty much what it looked like right there. Isn't that Beautiful. We don't get that here in Vegas. Like we forget, but there's something in the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. There's something about a childlike heart or, or even one that learns to convert or posture their hearts again like a child to come under the wonder of God, the majesty of God, the holiness of God, who God is, the love of God, posturing again. Sometimes we get so familiar with God that we can't even receive from him. And the same thing happens with us as a family. I can get so familiar with you and who you are. Maybe I see the things about you that aren't perfect, and I, I begin, my value for you diminishes, and then I can't come under the grace that's on your life that I need. Because it's the posture of my heart. My my heart has changed bent or turned in another direction. I've, I've allowed dishonor or discontent because of familiarity. Like the old poet said in the early 1900s, familiarity leads to contempt. There's something about we get a little too familiar. We get a little too grown up. And Jesus is saying, listen, this is what the kingdom looks like. That's why when we pray, we say, Father. We forget. We can't forget. We're kids. And we're not just sons of God. We're sons of God. I have authority. I'm a son. I love all that stuff, but don't forget the aspect that he's dead. And in that, there's a reverence, there's an honor, there's a submission, there's a posturing of my heart where I come under. I'm telling you as believers, when we come together, if we learn this thing about our hearts that, that you know the Greek mindset, the Western mindset, that we all know and we have to unlearn, this is not the center of our being. Our mind is not the center of our being, our heart is. And when we learn to orient our heart in the right place, when we join our hearts in prayer, because listen, we could be saying the same thing in prayer, but because we don't honor each other or we're so familiar with each other or our hearts aren't posture right, we're not really joining our hearts. When Jesus said in Matthew 18, where two or more shall agree, he wasn't saying, okay, let's agree in prayer. Let's just join hands and agree. One time I had a brother come to me. He says, or he's talking to another guy that needs him to clean some carpets for him. He has a business and he says, I need you to come Thursday to clean the carpets and And he's saying, uh, I can't do it Thursday. And and he says, well, let's just agree in prayer that you can. And I'm like thinking to myself, that is so manipulative. That's not the prayer of agreement. The, The word agree means symphony. It's symphony in the Greek. It's a harmonious word. It's a word where sounds come together. There's a harmony. There's something about joining our hearts, getting our hearts aligned with God and getting our hearts aligned with one another. But I can't do that if I lose wonder for God and if I lose honor for my brother and my sister in Christ. Amen? Turn over to Matthew 18. I want to look at these verses and then I'll be closing with a, another scripture. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus, you think they learn it the first time, but aren't we all like that? I mean we need to hear it over and over and over again. Matthew chapter 18. Of course, the disciples are having this conversation, which we see in a few different accounts in in the different Gospels. But He says, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? There's something about wanting to be great. It's like, and and some of it, let me just say this, it's God. Like, there's something in us. We want to, we were made, we were born with God's stuff in us. God's breath. Where we want to have dominion. We want to, you know, we want to, we want to be who God created us to be. But this type of greatness, Jesus has to rebuke. And and they're again, having this conversation. And Jesus says, unless in verse three, unless you become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now he's not talking about going to heaven. Let me clarify this. He's talking about, you cannot, be submitted under the kingdom, the king's domain. The king. Now, the reason Matthew uses the word heaven is is because he doesn't use the word God as a good little Jewish boy in his writings. You, you understand that. The kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven is interchangeable. So we could say kingdom of God It's the way it says in, in multiple scriptures in the other gospels, same stories, it says kingdom of God. In Matthew it says kingdom of heaven. So he's not saying you're not going to go to heaven unless you're converted like a child. That's not what he's saying. Don't think that way. Here's what he's saying is you're not going to be walking in the blessings that the Father wants to pour out. You're not going to be walking in kingdom reign. The kingdom of God, Paul said, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Come on. And he says, you've got to have a childlike heart. You've got to come under. You've got to submit. The way he speaks with the centurion, he says, I've not found such great faith in all Israel. Why? Because he was a man under authority. He understood authority. But he came under the authority of Jesus by saying this, just say the word, Lord, and my servant will be healed. There's something about the submission, the healthy submission to authority. It's not subservient. It's not authoritarianism. That's the world's way. That's the old system. That's the system Jesus came to turn upside down. But there's an honor. There's a submission to God. And we come under the submission of heaven. And, and we learn that when our hearts are like little children. Now, here's what he says. Here's what I'm going to get to. Ready? By the way, my first point was come and just stay in wonder of God. This will be my second point here. And there's five. I'm just kidding. There's not five. (laughs) Verse 4. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position. Oh, I love that. Whoever takes the lowly position. Have you ever been in a fight with somebody and when you take the lowly position, it's amazing what happens? You ever been hurt by somebody and even though you are right and they're wrong, you take the lowly position? Hello? Hello? Have you ever been in prayer and you're trying to tell God what to do and then you take the lowly position? Jesus says, you've got to learn this. He's like, take the lowly position. This is who I am. This is Now, Jesus modeled this. This is who he is, the, the creator of the universe. And then he goes on. He says, if you take the lowly position, you're the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Now, he says this in another portion of Matthew, which you don't turn there, but I'm going to read. You can turn there if you'd like, but you don't have to. You're not obligated to. So in Matthew chapter 10, he says this uh, this thing. Some of you are familiar with it. I'm sorry, It's is it Matthew 9 or Matthew 10? I'm not preaching with notes. So Matthew 10, it's the end of Matthew 10. Now, listen to what Jesus says here. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. He's saying if you don't receive the person, you don't get the blessing. How how much is it sometimes backwards in church culture? I receive that word, but you don't even like the person that gave the word. Oh, this gets interesting now. Can you separate the work and the person of Christ Can you separate? How how come we always want to separate everything? You know, you minister who you are because it flows out of your heart. This is why it's important that character and anointing actually match. Because if someone is in some gross sin or they're open to demonic stuff or whatever and they're ministering and prophesying, it could defile you. And you got to go take a spiritual shower. He says if you receive a prophet, you're going to get their blessing. This is why the spirit of offense and dishonor the enemy unleashes on the bodies that actually begin to capture what unity really is. Because the enemy knows that if you disgrace or dishonor the person that you are friends with or that you love, then you won't receive the blessing that you need off of their life because we need each other. Disgrace is literally disgrace to separate from grace. When I dishonor you, I disgrace you. I'm separating myself from the blessing you are to my life because I don't receive you. But I'll receive a word from you if it's a good word. Doesn't make sense. Jesus, like, learn to receive each other. He says, if you receive me, if, you, if someone receives you, they receive me. When I receive who you are, guess what? I receive Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And then he does this whole cup of cold water thing. They didn't have drinking fountains in the Middle East at this time. And it was hot. How many know it's getting hot right here? It's a very similar climate. They didn't have air conditioning. And they had to travel a long way from a well to bring you a cup of cold water. And they might want to run because that water will get hot sitting in the vessel for the mile or two that they have to run to bring you this cup of cold water. There's an illustration in that. There's a meaning to it. See, we can't just read the Bible and apply this to my life. Like if I ask Gus for a cup of cold water, all he has to do is run to my office and get a cup of cold water. I mean, that would be nice and I would appreciate it. But in this time, in a historical contextual hermeneutic, bringing a cup of cold water is a big deal. There's something about honor and receiving one another. When I receive you, I receive Jesus. When I receive Jesus, I receive the Father. You can't separate it because guess what? We're family. Look at the person next to you and say, you're stuck with me forever. Brothers and sisters in Christ. So he says, take the lowly position, Matthew 18. Don't forget what it's like to be in wonder of God when I look at creation, the heavens declares glory. But don't don't forget that we gotta be like children. Don't be so grown up. Don't be so smart. Sometimes we have to unlearn these things that we just we just move too fast sometimes. Just slow down and listen to what God's saying. And honor people that are in our lives because we need them and when we honor somebody we receive the blessing not only of what they carry but who they are it's amazing turn to john chapter 13 as we close you guys enjoying this this morning i'm chilling today i'm sitting on the stool it's what i call the seeker friendly stool but i, I it's first service you know if you want to hear some preaching you can stay I'm, but i'm just chilling this morning john chapter 13 Verse 1, so powerful. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for Him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them until the end. Oh, I love that line. Jesus loved until the end. love lasts forever. You love him until the end. Who is he talking about? All his disciples. Now that's important as we continue to read. I'm not going to read, but I'll tell you the story. Jesus now postures himself a little differently. And he washes the disciples' feet. Now th- this is a holy time. This is a holy feast. Passovers going on. It's crazy outside. People are partying. It's dirty. There's more stuff going on. There's more donkey poop to step in. It's Passover's, and everyone's in Jerusalem. Come on, it's just a mess. And the disciples, they know that this is a holy time, and Jesus just throws them, just throws a wrench in their thinking. Peter tries to stop him as Jesus postures himself. He says he removes his outer garment. That's that's a symbol of intimacy we're not to afraid. This is what's inside my heart. And he puts on a towel. So he removes his outer garment, puts on a towel and he, he, he begins to wash the disciples feet. Peter's like, no, 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 you can't wash my feet, Lord. Maybe he had a foot fungus. He didn't want Jesus to get it. I don't know. But I think that there's, there's this moment where I think we can all relate to that. Sometimes we don't want God to mess with the parts of us that are really dirty. We don't want God to go that deep because then we got to actually love people. Hello. If if I really let him go that deep, I got to forgive the person that I've really not fully released, or I've got to say yes to the call that he's still whispering to me that he told me in youth group when I was a kid, Peter. No, Lord, don't wash my fingers. I know this is what I got to do. But just think of the picture. I mean, the son of not just the son of God, God in the flesh, God manifests in the flesh. He chooses to join himself with humanity forever in the incarnation. Jesus is going to be flesh forever. God chose to be flesh forever because of a fire in the heart of the father. Jesus says, I'll go the no to the sin in the garden that caused us all in this mess ended up and translated into Jesus in this moment, washing the disciples' feet. I mean, would you let the Creator wash your feet? It's just, no, this this doesn't make sense. And Jesus is like, no, I'm your Lord, but I'm doing this to cleanse you. And I'm doing this so you can wash each other's feet. So you can learn to receive one another. And He laid out this model of humility, this model of receiving. Say, receive. And when you receive, you don't just receive a blessing. You receive who someone is. When we learn to do that, you know, so much of what we do in Christianity, let me just be really honest, a lot of our religious stuff that we do, prayer, it, it, it's not so much about the person. It's it's the things. It's not. It's like... You know, we memorize Scripture and we think we're getting to know God. Hello? Well, I memorized four verses this week. <laughs> and you're just as religious as a Pharisee too. Jesus said, you know the Scriptures really well, guys. I'm paraphrasing John chapter 6. He says, you know it real well, but you don't realize it points to me, the person, the person. It points to the person. We're always afraid of the person. But there's something I see in the story of vulnerability where Jesus becomes vulnerable. If we really love, we will be vulnerable. Because love says, I know that I could be hurt. I know that there's sacrifice involved. And if we say we love and we don't count those things a part of love, then love is just an idea and a word. But if we're willing to wash each other's feet, we're willing to love each other, we're willing to forgive each other, and we're, we're willing to receive, even though the package of who we are is imperfect. Receive who we are, like receive. And not get too familiar, but stay in wonder, stay in awe of God, but keep this reverential awe in our hearts towards one another because we need each other and there's grace. Come on, and listen, this is, this is what happens in the church. You know, we start dishonoring the leaders, and you can dishonor me. I, I honestly, you know, God deals with people, but I mean in general, just in general, we dishonor one another. We we don't even elevate the lowly person in the body, the one that to God is most significant. This is what Paul illustrated in First Corinthians eleven. But we don't realize that we just become so familiar with somebody's gift. This is why I like other people to preach. I don't want you to get too familiar with me. I want you to. I want you to keep in tune with my heart and receive who I am because there's a blessing in it. And when I receive who you are, there's a blessing in it. Come on. Because we're one body. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And then you know the story. Judas, let me close with this. Judas, how many know who Judas is? He was the double dipper. You know the double dipper when you go to Chili's and you're eating... And that person dips twice. And you're like, dude, get your own salsa. Come on, somebody. Jesus said the one who dips his bread twice. He was a double dipper. Judas. Judas betrays him. This is an intimate moment. Jesus washes his all their feet. And Judas walks out the door. And does what the enemy put in his heart. And then Jesus says this. Guys, pray for Judas. Let's just have a prayer No, that's not what he said. He didn't do one of those gossip sessions mass as a prayer meeting. He didn't do that. We love doing that though. Come on. Well, can you just pray for me or let's we need to pray for sister so and so because Oh, stop gossiping. That is not a prayer meeting. Hello. Come on. Jesus said, guess what? They're going to know that you're my disciples, my learners by the love that you have for one another. He didn't say that after church on a Sunday. When, when, Oh, God, church was so good. I just love everyone. You know you love everyone after church. After worship, you're hugging everyone. I got a word for you and a word for you. Glory! This was after Jesus or Judas walked out the door. His own betrayed him after he washed his feet, after he'd seen all the miracles And Jesus says, by the way, guys, they're going to know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. What a display of love. Amazing. Let's stay in wonder of who God is. Let's, Let's take the lowly position and let's receive. Come on. Let's receive, not just from God, receive blessings, but also Receive so we can give, but receive one another. Receive who we are. Not just, oh, that's a good word. I receive it, Lord. We're so narcissistic in Christianity sometimes. When Jesus came and displayed quite the opposite, dying on a cross, we kill the creator of the universe and he says, I forgive you. And he chooses to join himself to us. And bring us into the family. Wow. God is so good. Can we just close and pray? Let me me bless you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your amazing love. Your love, it truly wrecks us at times. Sometimes you just need to wreck us so that you can... Rebuild us. We, we want to not take this lightly, but posture our hearts like a child. Just we're in one, we're in wonder of you. We're in awe of you, God. We look at creation and we just see your beauty. The heavens declare your glory, and we choose to posture our hearts in a place to become like children. The, the childlike trust, the way an infant is held by its mama, Holy Spirit, you hold us close. Daddy, you hold us. You look into our faces and and, and although in some ways we feel helpless, you embrace and you hold. We totally rely on you. We're like little children. We just turn our hearts into this place where Lord we just trust you Daddy we trust you we're just a baby before you and we we don't lose that child likeness it's that child likeness Jesus later says in Matthew 18 says these little children have an angel that behold the face of God there's something about child likeness and a connection a deeper connection a divine heavenly connection and so we open our hearts. And Lord, we posture our hearts in the place where we can honor each other again. And we can receive who we are, not just what we carry, not just our gift, but who we are. I love Your people, Lord. I just want to see a body rise up in such a love and a glory that the world truly says... They're disciples of Jesus because of this rich love of heaven. The end all destiny is for us to be conformed to his image. So, Lord, we just say, Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. We receive it. We open up right now. I want you to just receive right now just the just the awe of God, just the reverence of God. Just receive. Back in your heart, burning the fear of the Lord, the spirit of the fear of the Lord—not fear like afraid, but the spirit of the reverence of God—back in your heart. Receive a childlike heart. Quiet your soul. Tune out the noise. And maybe, maybe you need to forgive some people. Maybe you need to honor someone that maybe you've dishonored or allowed familiarity to breed contempt in your heart. So Lord, we just sing it out. We just release it now. We don't want that. We thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for your love and your presence. Bless your people. We declare blessing. I declare blessing over every one of them right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Would you seal it with praise? Come on.